chapter 13. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I remember the first time I walked into a mosque. I had spent the last month researching and preparing for an adult education course I was leading at my internship church called Knowing Our Neighbors. I was planning to spend six weeks going through an overview of history and present-day Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Each of these three faith traditions can find a common ancestor in Abraham, formerly known as Abram. And as I worked on my prep, as I read books and watched visit videos, I realized that I was still missing a part of these stories. And so I reached out to those whose stories I was telling. I called the synagogue and set up a time to meet with the rabbi. Similarly, I had coffee with a Catholic priest I had met at an interfaith gathering. And I was invited to visit a mosque in North Vegas to meet with the imam. Each of these meetings had me feeling nervous beforehand. Meeting with strangers to talk about faith stuff is not something I was used to. And being a new intern pastor with my pink hair made it a little extra nerve-wracking. I'm really glad that the mosque happened to be my first stop on my religion tour of Las Vegas. As I got to the parking lot in an unfamiliar suburb, I felt my nerves start to act up. What if I said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing? I wasn't wearing a headscarf, no one told me to. My hair was bright pink. It was shortly after Easter. I stumbled trying to figure out the gate getting in, and I worried I didn't know which door to use. As I walked into what felt like a community center, it appeared as though the entire place was empty. And so I quietly called out, hello. I'm supposed to meet the imam. I think I'm on time. And a woman named Khadija answered me. In her full headscarf and dress, I introduced myself and let her know that I was there to meet with the team. And she laughed and said, oh, he's always late. Can I get you anything? While we waited, we sat and talked, asking each other questions. She was working on schoolwork. We talked about faith life and the things that we learned about our different faith traditions. Shortly, a huge group of women and children came through, and Khadija introduced me to them as Pastor Megan, and I felt so welcomed in that unknown place. One little girl commented on how bright my hair was and how much she loved it. Once the imam arrived, we sat down, and he graciously answered my questions about his faith tradition, about his story, 
We then kind of got into the talking shop part of what always seems to happen when faith leaders gather together, talking about attendance and giving and how do we reach out and how do we do service in our community. We talked about Jesus. We talked about Abraham. We talked about God and faith and trying to live out our faith in the world today. We talked about the gate around the building, about the realities of harassment and vandalism they faced. When I first heard the news on Friday that a terrorist took the lives of 50 people gathered for prayer and injured another 50 in two mosques in New Zealand, my heart broke. I thought of that afternoon with Khadija and Iman Fatim. I thought of the women and children who welcomed me into their place of worship. I thought of their open welcome and wondered if the shooter was welcome too. I found out later that he was. After my memories and my prayers, my mind started to wander to today's sermon. And I thought of our distant ancestor of Abram, of God telling Abram, do not be afraid, I am your shield. And Abram's lament after years of feeling like God's promise to him had gone unfulfilled. Abram says, oh Lord God, what will you give me? Once Abram becomes Abraham, God fulfills God's promise and gives him more descendants than can be counted in the stars. Two of those descendants, Ishmael and Isaac, become fathers to two different traditions. Ishmael is the patriarch for Islam and Isaac for Judaism. And when Abraham dies in Genesis 25, both brothers come together to bury their father. For all of our differences, we are descendants of the same promise, the same covenant God cuts with Abram, a promise that is meant for us and for the world, the kind of promise that God uses ordinary things like a fire pot and a flaming torch to signify relationship and care, a promise that as God says to Abram in Genesis 12 is for Abram and all his descendants to be blessed, to be a blessing for all the nations, even in the face of threat and fear and hatred. These descendants, all of us, Christian, Muslim, or Jew, are still here to bring blessings to the world. Amen. And the threat and danger in this world is real. And I don't have all the answers. I wish I had the magic button to stop Islamophobia, white supremacy, anti-Semitism, terrorism, racism, all the evil that messes up our world. I wish I could just outline a five-step plan on how we just fix it. I can't. The next day, I went to the synagogue to visit with the rabbi, and they had a gate around their building, too, for similar reasons. More and more churches after the shootings in Charleston and Sutherland Springs are talking about security and gating. Even our own church is having to have discussions around what to do if there's an active shooter. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. Paul's language is harsh and hard to hear, but there is a truth to his words about the earthly parts of this world that focus on destruction, on self-interest, shame, and earthly things. And I don't have an easy fix for this. But Jesus is no stranger to hatred or threat or violence. In our reading today, when faced with fear, when faced with hatred, and even the threat of death, Jesus doesn't build a gate, 
Jesus knows that danger is on the horizon, that he would love nothing more than to gather all the children together under his wing like a mother hen. But he's got work to do, and the children aren't quite ready yet. In the face of threat brought to him by the Pharisees in our reading today, Jesus says, listen, I am too busy to worry about Herod. I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I finish my work. In the face of threat, in the face of hatred and fear, Jesus gets to work renouncing evil and healing those he meets. Jesus is too busy freeing people from their unclean spirits. Jesus is too busy caring for people who are hurting. Jesus is too busy sharing God's love and care with people to worry about what Herod is planning. I don't know if there's a better way to act in the face of such threat in our world, but to renounce hatred, to renounce violence, and move towards healing. Caring for one another, not because we're the same, but because that's what we're called to do. We are part of a promise God makes to God's people, a promise that we believe is brought to us in Jesus, our mother head trying to gather her brood as we run around aimlessly like baby chicks. And Jesus is busy in that three days because he says, I must be on my way to Jerusalem. On his way to face the threat, the fear, the hatred, Jesus takes all of the evil, all of the sin, all of the violence and destruction this world can manage to the cross, cutting a new covenant, a new promise with the world. And on the third day, he finishes his work in his resurrection, bringing forgiveness and love and grace and salvation for the world, for you and for me, for all the broken people in broken places, a promise of hope in the deep and terrifying darkness, so that we can stand firm in the Lord, stand firm in the love of Christ for us, the promise of God for the world, so that we can stand firm, and in the face of threat, in the face of hatred, in the face of fear, we too can tell that fox, listen, we are too busy. We've got too much to do to let you have power over us. We too can cast out demons. We can renounce the demons of this world. Islamophobia, white supremacy, anti-Semitism, terrorism, racism, and anything else that blinds us to God's promise, none of it has a place here. Amen. We too can perform cures today and tomorrow. We too, as baby chicks gathered under Jesus' wing, can provide healing and care and compassion for those who have been hurt. We too can share love and grace with those we meet, knowing that they are God's children too, part of this promise. Gates, security, fear, and worry are real symptoms of the violence and destruction of this world. And for some, security and safety are necessary and real parts of survival for their faith communities. But if the conversation ends there, we're missing it. Whatever language, whatever words, whatever conversations happen now, they shouldn't end with our nervousness or our fear. They should help us to move forward, to respond as Jesus does, not only for ourselves, but for those in need around us, for us to recognize God's presence in the deep, terrifying darkness, facing whatever threat may come our way or towards our neighbors, so that together we can find hope and hear God's words to Abram. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Amen.